Good morning. My name is Isaiah, and I'm one of the pastors here, and so good to be with all of you today. I am, every time I watch this, uh, this particular Advent video, I'm always so pumped. Like, I mean, I, I know Adrian, I was there, uh, Beverly was there with me, and we're recording this, and I'm just like, as soon as he was done, I wanted just to pick him up and just tackle him on the floor and like just kind of convey the joy that was inside of us all as we're listening to this recording, as we're watching and, and, and seeing it being demonstrated that, that there is this reason why we are even here, why we even gather today as a church, why we're even, uh, why we believe what we believe. And I felt so much energy. Like, I just wanted to, just, I, I still feel that way. Even as it ends, I want to just, I want to tackle some of you. Like, I just, I, I, I feel so much energy and so much joy because of what God has done and what God is doing currently, not only in my life, but in the life of this church. But before we get to all this, I mean, I, what an amazing, what an amazing reading of, of the reality of the shepherd's perspective and how much joy that, was le- that, that they left with in that moment, thinking, I got to tell everybody. But before I get into that, I wanted to, I want to rewind the tape. Can we, can we still rewind tapes? Is that pause? <laughs> Who does that anymore? <laughs> don't, don't raise your hand. It's, I mean, it's embarrassing. Um, but I'm just kidding. I, uh, if I had a tape, I guess I would rewind it. I, I want to go back to Matthew chapter 1. And so... If you have your Bibles, you can open up there, or you can look on the screens or on your devices. But in our text, we're introduced to a man named Joseph. He's the earthly father of Jesus, the one that Adrian was speaking of. And I want to dive into this passage where Joseph encounters an angel. Read with me Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verse 18 through 25. Okay, so here it goes. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give, a birth, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he, Joseph, gave him the name Jesus. Okay. So let's, we're going to rapid fire uh, a list of things that we just read. So I don't know if anybody else has 
comprehension issues. I do. And so some of you are like, oh, cool, I got that memorized. I know the entire thing. I know everything that went on. I don't. And so I have to list things out. I have to repeat them. I have to say them over and over again. And so I... If you're with me, let me do this. Let me just, based off of what we just read, let's just rapid fire some information, some observations, okay? We know that the writer, Matthew, wants us to know some important information about Jesus and the Messiah, okay? We know that his mother Mary is pledged to be married to Joseph and that she was with child through the Holy Spirit. Hold that mark. We know that Joseph was a devout Jewish man who was faithful to the law of Moses, and we also know that, through, that because of this pregnancy, Joseph was going to quietly divorce her because he didn't want to publicly shame her, okay? We also know that Joseph has a dream where he then encounters this angel and, 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 that, and that the, the angel tells Joseph to not be afraid to wed Mary. And then the angel confirms that the baby is actually from the Holy Spirit and she's going to birth the son and that he, Joseph, will give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. Last two, the writer Matthew then states that all of this took place to fulfill prophecy that was written by the prophet Isaiah in chapters seven and eight. We also know that Joseph wakes up from his dream and does the does what the angel told him to do. And he takes Mary as his wife, not physically intimate with her until after the birth of Jesus. Okay, now I want you to think for a moment. What is the most shocking part about this passage? Okay, or, or in other words, what is the most difficult part to believe? Yeah, so we have so many things. I mean, there are so many things that are going on here. But I mean, for most people... I'm going to guess that the most questionable bit of information is Mary's virgin pregnancy, okay? I mean, how is it possible, right, for a, uh, for a virgin to be pregnant, let alone give birth to a baby when she's a virgin, okay? That does not fit with what we know with how babies are made. Like, we don't, not, not in our context, not in their context. It wasn't different back then, like they believed something different. No, it's the same thing. Okay, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. There's no rational explanation for Jesus' conception and birth. And I think that's where most of us get hung up on with this reading. And to be honest, that's where I think Joseph has issues too. That's where his, most, most of his problems are. What is a soon-to-be-married man who is betrothed to this woman and about to start a new life with how does he respond to that? Well, it says, literally, he planned to divorce her quietly. Bye, Felicia. Like, that's, like, that's his version, right? Now, I'm not sure about you, but if I were in Joseph's shoes and my fiance in this situation showed up one day and there's a baby bump and I knew it wasn't me, what else could you think, right? What else? What do you do? I'm like, what do you, uh-uh, no, you know, you didn't. Like, I don't know how you respond. Maybe it's worse than that, right? Maybe you respond in a different way. I mean, you have to put yourself in Joseph's shoes first. How would you feel? A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I always have to somehow insert Star Wars things in here, just because I love Star Wars. Um, no, but a long, long time ago, I had a girlfriend, um, and before I was married and everything, and, and she told me, as a Christmas gift, 
that she was going to break up with me because um, she didn't want to accidentally cheat on me. And I was like, what? Like, what is, how, how was I supposed to respond to this information, right? Like, how, how, much, how, you, how do you respond to this? Thank you. Uh, I appreciate how considerate you are. I mean, you are such a blessing to me. Um, no, I was not happy. To put myself in Joseph's shoes then, that would have sent me over the top. He was engaged to Mary. Now, I know that when we think of engagement, we think, well, technically, they weren't married, right? I mean, that's how we think of it in terms today. But that wasn't the case in Jewish culture. There were a few stages of marriage in those days. And a Jewish betrothal was an important part of, marriage, of the marriage process and was as binding as marriage itself. Both families had to initiate this betrothal and witnessed this event and would likely sign a marriage contract called the ketubah. Therefore, if both parties wished to end this betrothal or engagement, they would require a divorce. So we can see that if we put ourselves in Joseph's shoes or in his place, all logic says, cut ties, dismiss her, send her away, and then just move on. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds about exactly how I would have probably done it too. But the question I've been stuck with as I have been wrestling through this text is, is that what I do with everything that I don't understand? Is that what I do when things don't make sense? When I don't understand God? or what he's doing? My answer is yes. Yes, I'm just going to say it. Yes, I do that. I think Joseph knows how babies are born. I think he knows what it takes, and he knows it cannot happen without a man. His logic and reasoning is sound, just like ours, except that our sound, logical reasoning is often too far narrow for what God is able to do. Not only do I, do I do this with God, and I hate to even admit that, but I do this with God. Not only do I do it with him, I do it with other people too. I dismiss people who aren't like me. I dismiss relationships because, well, they're just not similar enough to me. I dismiss ideas because they aren't my ideas. I dismiss opportunities because I struggle with the risk of failure. Anyone else? I, I dismiss dreams all the time because they just can't be real because they don't fit my experience or my expectations. But here's the thing. When I dismiss what doesn't make sense or what is out of control to me in the moment, I'm also saying that I'm not open I'm not open to new things. I'm not open to new ideas. I'm not open to new ways. And I'm certainly not open to God and to what he's doing and what he wants for me. And isn't that what Joseph is doing when he decides to quietly dismiss Mary? And I want you to think, what are the things that you've dismissed lately? You know, before I came to this church, we were, my wife and I and my family, we were at another church 
and I was a pastor on staff, and I, was pretty much, I pretty much grew up in ministry through my 20s and 30s there. And God had told my wife and I that it was time for us to move on. And I was convinced that God was going to clearly part the Red Sea. I'm going to see that promised land. I'm going to be going, and I'm skipping. We're like, come on, everyone join us. And, uh, and that didn't happen. The more we looked, the more we searched, the more fell through. We didn't want to leave without employment because, right, who does that? You shouldn't do that. You should have somewhere to go. You should have a job. That's wise counsel. But God had other plans. God used a friend, a couple of friends, that said, maybe, maybe God doesn't want you to have it all figured out. He said, maybe God is asking you to trust him and leave without a place to go. And my response to this friend was, and maybe you're a crazy person. (laughs) Maybe you should shut your mouth. Maybe I don't want to listen to this right now. But you know, Jessica and I drove home that night, and we were thinking, are they right? Is this what God wants us to do? So we kind of resolved that if we didn't find something, right, by a certain date, we even put like a timestamp on it, we were going to do the thing that we didn't want to do. Something that just didn't make sense to us at the time. So of course, I had no job and I resigned and I left. Uh, and, and without a place to go, yet trusting and placing our faith in God's voice in our life. And God led us through a desert time. It was confusing. It it was painful. It it wasn't what I would have chosen because it didn't make any sense. But if we didn't obey, we could have dismissed what God was doing. We could have dismissed God using our friends to speak to us. We could have dismissed the several moments when where God was communicating his will for us and missed out on the blessing of being obedient. But we would have also missed out on the opportunity that God was inviting us to be a part of. This decision ultimately led us here. We couldn't see that in the moment, but God could. He did see that. And all we did was respond and choose not to dismiss it. So let's pick up in verse 20. It says this, but after he considered this, who's he? Joseph. After Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to make Mary ho- take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, I don't know how aware uh, you are or uh, how little we know of Joseph in the Bible, this particular Joseph. After our passage for today, he pretty much disappears outside of a few references regarding Jesus and his family. And we know he was related to King David because the genealogy that precedes this passage, but also because the angel literally said, Joseph, son of David, right? Like he tell, hey, this is who you are. We also know he was a carpenter. And we know that he was a faithful follower of the law. We may not know a ton about him, but the stuff that we know is very important. 
In this passage, we read that in Joseph's dream that the angel tells him not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. Now, again, we have to reason again. Don't let us forget. Joseph has got to be thinking. Now, listen, Mr. Angel, uh, do, you, do you think that this girl, that this girl is pregnant and it's like, it's not, like, do you know that it's not my child? Do you know that? And he's probably thinking, yeah, I know. I want you to go and marry. I want you to marry her. I want you, God, it's God's plan for you to do this. And I can only be thinking, like, Joseph is not, I mean, even in his dream, he's got to be, like, wrestling with this, this thought. And then the angel says, listen, Joseph, you're going to fearlessly take Mary as your wife. He said, do not be afraid. What does that mean? Be fearless. You're going to fearlessly take Mary as your wife because of what God is doing through her. Now, I'm sure Joseph is stopped in his tracks, in his dream tracks, right? Like, just what? Huh? How many of you have had some crazy dreams out there? I just had one the other night. I'm not going to tell you about it because it's too crazy. But, you, you know, but I've also had some dreams that felt like God was speaking to me, speaking specifically into something that I could not know. And I think that in this moment, it went from a crazy dream that Joseph's having to a holy moment, maybe a vision for what is to come. In verse 21, it says, the angel then says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. The angel tells Joseph something pretty special. He, he's, he says, don't be afraid to marry her because God's doing something and he wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to name this boy. He wants you to be his dad. He wants you to give him his name. And I think there's something pretty special about names. Am I right? I mean, there, there is. I know names these days don't always have the significance, you know, like they did in scripture, but they certainly have sentiment for us today, as a parent, at least. You don't know all of our story, maybe some of you, but we, we had some difficulty getting pregnant. But we always had names picked out and, uh, you know, for all of our 10 kids. And uh, so when, when, we were when we surprisingly then found out that we were having a son, we named him Silas which means forest, and isn't the reason why we gave him that name. We just really liked that name. Um, but you know what I also just recently discovered? That that name also means prayed for. And oh man, did, that, did we pray for that boy? I remember writing his name down on that birth certificate for the first time, and it was like, it's official. And I remember holding him in that moment, after he was delivered, and I kept saying over and over and over again, I can't believe you're here. I cannot, I cannot believe you're here. We had some difficulty getting pregnant again for years later, and, and, um, and after that, we didn't know if we would have any more children. And then to our joy, our daughter Kaya was born, and, uh, and her name actually means to rejoice. And we did. We rejoiced over and over and over again. And there's something special about a parent giving a child his or her name. There, there's a bond. There's value and identity attached to that naming. And God was inviting Joseph into this moment and into a moment where he had no control over. 
that didn't make sense and wouldn't make sense to most people. Through the angel, God tells Joseph, I need you to not go through with the divorce and to stick with the plan to wed Mary. Now, again, I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed that sometimes, sometimes the best decision in certain situations is your decision to not do something? Have you ever been upset at someone? Sure you have. I mean, have you ever wanted to throat punch someone? You know, like, you're like, that's violent. Okay, well. Sorry, I shared too much. Uh, but if you ever have wanted to do that, maybe, maybe not, maybe not that. Maybe you wanted to, you know, slightly bump a car on the freeway for riding that emergency lane when they shouldn't have been, right? Sure, you, you've probably been upset or, or bothered by someone. In most cases, I think the best decision um, is, is to not make an irrational decision, right? Don't make that irrational decision. The decision of non-decision is sometimes the best choice in most cases like that. And in our text, Joseph is asked to not do something in order to be a part of something much greater than he could ever imagine. And he gets to, he gets to name the Messiah, the Savior of the world, Later in life, Jesus, in the life of Jesus, we see that Joseph raises him. He, he protects him from King Herod, moves him to Egypt, teaches him how to work with his hands, and then he takes him to Jerusalem for Passover festivals, and they lose him. And, and then I'm, I'm sure all the things that earthly dads do, you, you're not a dad and you haven't lost your child, you're not a dad yet. Um, <laughs> in our text, though, Joseph is, is asked to do this, and it's very, a very, very special moment. Look at verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph takes Mary as his wife like the Lord asked him to. He married Mary and, and he has no physical relationship, no intimacy, no sexual way for a reason. It was already difficult for Joseph to say yes to this situation. Already difficult, Okay. <laughs> Now you're going to ask him, no touchy, like don't, like leave her alone, okay? But I think this is something really important for Joseph because it's this decision of non-action again to recognize what God was doing. And Joseph decided to get out of the way and to prove to people that he had nothing to do with it. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I want credit for things. And in this moment, in the holiest moments, Joseph chooses to not, to not be what he thinks normal husbands would be in that situation. Instead, he chooses to honor God and to honor Mary in this moment and to ultimately honor Jesus. We're, we're in a, we live in a culture of, you know, what have you done for me lately, right? That's, that's, our, that's our world. We live in a culture that says our actions speak louder than words and they do speak louder than words, but so does non-action. So does the decision to have some self-discipline and self-restraint. And here's where, I, here's where I want to land. I want to go back a little bit to verse 22. It says this, <clears throat> All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
At the beginning of this message, I asked you to think, what is the most shocking part of this reading? And the obvious scandal of the day in that culture would have been an unwed pregnant virgin. No doubt, no doubt. To be pregnant without being married in those times had consequences. The act would even be considered adultery. And the punishment could be death. That's absolutely scandalous, no doubt. But even more scandalous that I think we overlook. And this is what I want us to take home today. The real scandal, the real scandal is that God would be with us. The real shocker is that God would use Mary to take on flesh and blood and come to us. Why? Why is this scandalous? Because God did not need to become flesh. He's God. Why would he lower himself? He's, all, he's the almighty. He's the all-powerful. Why in the world would he become human? Well, in this last verse, the angel says to Joseph that you will name this boy Jesus and he will save people from their sins. The angel is telling Joseph that he would be the ultimate sacrifice someday that will take away the sins of the world. This is a huge reason, a huge reason. But I think many of us in our life, if you've walked through with church family or in the church for a very long time, you stop there. Super important, probably the most important. But we've, we've prayed, maybe we've asked Jesus to come into our life save us from our sins. And that's amazing. And if you've done that, praise God for doing that. Because we need saving. I think the first recognition is for us to actually recognize that we cannot save ourselves. Yet we try so hard to do that. We cannot. That's important. But I don't believe that's the only reason. I believe he came to earth in human form for the same reason he created humanity in the first place. God has always wanted to dwell with us. From the beginning, God has wanted to be with us. God created us to be in relationship with him and with other people. That's how he's always been. That's, how, that's God's heart from the beginning. And it's exactly his heart by sending his son. Jesus was his name. Salvation is what he brought. But God with us, God being with us is his nature. God is with us in every circumstance, in every situation of our life, in joy, in sorrow, in celebration, in grief, in success, as well as failure, in hope, and in desolation. Did, did you know that according to Cigna Corporation in 2019, pre-COVID, okay, that 61% of Americans over the age of 18 years old have experienced bouts of loneliness? Three years ago, we had this epidemic of loneliness that was pervasive. But today, it's not any better. Today in 2022, post-pandemic, 41% of adults over the age of 66 years old experience an amount, large amount of loneliness, 71% of adolescents, 79% of young adults 18 to 24 experience loneliness at astonishing rates. Holidays, Christmas, like this, this time is magical but it can also reveal the ache beneath the surface. One of the greatest fears humans have is feeling and being alone. We all know what it feels like. 
We know what it feels like to be rejected. We know what it feels like to not fit in at times, to be isolated, to feel like no one sees you. And I think Joseph understood that. I think Mary understood that. I know Jesus understood that. And he still does today. But let me tell you, for someone who who has been in those shoes, we're not alone. I want you to know, like, whether you're online or in this room, when I say you're not alone, I don't just say it as some little nice sentiment. I say you're not alone because I know that I'm not alone. And how do I know that I'm not alone? Because we're here. And and although sometimes we might not feel here present in the moment, sometimes physically being present is, is sometimes the first step of being mentally and emotionally and psychologically present. Because we know the opposite, right? Like we know when someone's physically there, but they're not really there. Unfortunately, we know that. But I want you to know like the, the heart of this church is that you would know who Jesus Christ is. That you would know that he is with you, that he is for you, and he always has been. Whether you've recognized it or not, whether Joseph could see it, whether you could see it, whether you'll see it tomorrow or the next day, I don't know. But this I know. I know that Jesus came to this earth to want to bring salvation, to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring reconciliation. And what I've witnessed is that. I've witnessed the forgiveness in my life and the grace that has been poured out on me because I'm a mess. And if any of you have been anywhere close to me, you would realize, you would agree, oh yeah, he's a mess. He's, it's, I, there's a lot of things there going on. Things that we can't explain. But I'll tell you this, that in my mess, he still came. While I was still a sinner, he, he still died for me. He came for me and he came for us. And this church is about reminding people that they belong here, regardless of where they are right now. And so I pray that you would know that God is with you, that God is for you, and he always, be, he always will be, regardless of your situation right now. Let's pray. Lord, I know that, I know that there's a ton of people here with us today that, um, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's Christmas time, right? We're, we're supposed to be jolly and happy, and it's supposed to be fun. And it is, and it can be. I think sometimes the, the, the craziest thing is that we, we want to, like, we want to go back into the darkness. We want to crawl up underneath the, the, the sheets. We want to put our head and bury it beneath a pillow and, and just kind of get away. And, you know, sometimes we do need to kind of coil back. But, but what we cannot do is we cannot dismiss, God, what you are up to. We cannot dismiss what you're doing. Because when we do, we will miss out on opportunity and blessing and the reality that God is for us, that you are with us, and that you have a a desire to use what you've created in us to do. God, we have a purpose. We have not just to exist in this life. And I don't care if if you're six months old or if you're 96 years old, that you have a value and you have a purpose. And God, that you have created us for a reason, God, to then be a blessing to other people. And God, I, I ask right now that if anyone is in this room and is feeling like, God, that they don't see, that they don't feel like they've been seen, and they don't feel like they have belong, God, I hope they know that, God, 
that, that I love them and that we love them. And that doesn't just mean the staff. That means every single person here, Lord, who's learning to, learning to love. <laughs> you're using us. You're transforming us. You're undoing some things in us. And that is all good things. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone. But God, we here we are. Here we are. And so God, I pray that whether our presence online or on here in person, God, we would just open our hands right now, God, that we would take our hands and just open them up to you that we would receive, God, that you are with us, that we would receive the fact that you want to always dwell with us, that we would receive, God, that your word says that your son came in the form of a baby through a miracle virgin birth to offer salvation to this world, to restore broken people back to you. God, as we worship and sing as a response would the word speak to our heart and our soul? Would it stir in, a, in us a passion for your name? Would it stir in us, God, a, a desire to want to know you more? And then to recognize, God, that you have always loved us. Always, always, always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>